0: contentment is a dimension that's important to me. I need to cultivate more ease and joy and fulfillment and balance in my life. Um, same with purpose. I mean, we've seen so many people trade the prestige and the pay and the perks for more purpose. And so it's okay to now say, I really wanna contribute. I wanna figure out how to give more, be more, offer more.
1: Hello, hardballers. Welcome back season three, episode seven. You know, I don't have a whole lot of repeat guests. I try to always mix it up, keep it fresh. Uh, but there are some people I just love having back. One is uh, the person we're speaking to today, Julie Winkle Giuliani, who is a employee development evangelist. Basically, uh, she has two books. We're going to be talking about both today, and really looking at employee development. It is the currency of retention. That's what our employees want. That's probably what's going to keep them around and it's a competitive advantage if you have it. So I think you're going to enjoy this one. Julie's always a pleasure to talk to you. So let's get with it, me and the redhead, talking to Julie with Julie Oney, here on HR Hardball.
0: For human resources professionals who walk the fine line between providing strategic support and grabbing a baseball bat, welcome to HR Hardball, hosted by John Reeves Whitaker. This is your leadership moment, folks.
1: Uh, Julie Winkle, and I never pronounce her last name right. You Get can it just to leave me. it at
0: Winkle or try
1: Giuliani. 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 Okay, you got to be careful with that now because, you know, Rudy and all that, you got to be careful. <laughs> <I agree. laughs> well, you you Well, you never know. Guilt by association. He's not a popular guy. But I've got Julie Winkle, Giuliani on here, and she is a repeat guest. Uh, I was looking, Julie, I think it was about a year ago, almost. It's, time flies, but we had... A conversation about your book at that time was Help Them Grow or Watch Them Go. And it was a fantastic book. I understand um, it's still doing quite well, right? Didn't it get ranked pretty high?
0: It is. I'm stunned. We wrote it 10 years ago. We updated uh, it in 19 or 2019. Um, but yeah, it was an international it is an international bestseller and it still is ranking. And everywhere I go, people grab it and show me where they've highlighted and dog eared it. It's just, it's wonderful.
1: That's awesome. That's a great feeling. I've been, I've had a book in my head for about 25 years and it, so I have, I have the greatest admiration for people who follow through with that.
0: Well, thank um, you. You get it out of your head and on paper. You got a lot to share there.
1: I, I do. I'm just Help all him. over the place.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you too. Happy to. Uh,
1: so and what prompted this again, we were going to talk again anyway, because you have a second book out, which we're going to talk about promotions or so yesterday, but you had posted an article on LinkedIn and the title was a grabber, so it kind of grabbed my attention about, uh, you know, be on the lookout for what we've lost, c- combating the real casualty of remote work. And, you know, I I actually was thinking there'd be some other stuff on there as well, because we could, that's a conversation within itself. But this started off, I guess there was a quote by Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, about be on the lookout for what is lost. And I think that is a, a powerful statement. What was, uh, when you read that, and you obviously you know, contributed to this article and and expanded on that thought. What about that really resonated with you?
0: You know, it's something he said at the beginning, on the onset of the pandemic, as we all sort of scattered to the wind. And it was kind of an interesting throwaway line at that point. It didn't really sink in um, until, you know, over the course, because who knew? how long, right. how long it was going to go on. But over the course of these two years, it's been, plus, it's been extraordinary um, to see the really fundamental shifts that have happened um, in business, around management, you know, at, at an individual level. And so what called this quote up again was when Microsoft released some new Data that they had been able to gather and and synthesize and and analyze. And what they found was just totally um, surprisingly, that in tech teams that, that you know your your center of your locus of of contact, your key contacts, those relationships remained strong, maybe even stronger. But what was lost back to the quote, was that next level your more distant contacts and as i was thinking about it i don't know maybe it's just you know urban legend or whatever but you know how they uh, say that the number of digits in a phone number is dictated by what we can hold in our head right and it huh. kind of extends for me you know, I just don't think the human brain, soul, psyche can juggle an infinite number of close relationships. And so during that extraordinary time, we had to double down on that tight circle, the closest mm. that we depended upon most. And so this, those strengthened at the expense of, of some of those looser ties, particularly with other uh, divisions, departments, functions. And there's a lot to be lost as we've uh, if we as we've um, found ourselves less connected in that way.
1: I'm buying that theory. I, I I think it's you know probably very profound because when we're in the offices and like I'm back now a couple of days a week, mm-hmm. and even in that limited time, um, I find myself saying hi and being you know name recognition, face recognition with people. They've worked there for a year, but I didn't know them because <laughs> they weren't there. Yeah. And it's, you know, out of sight, out of mind a little bit, I think. Yeah. And yeah, we did. We had our our tight group. Um, and, you know, we went into their homes because of Zoom and everything else. We just got more and more casual and informal and, and closer, probably. Yeah. But yeah, you're the next circle out. I guess it just started to kind of fade away.
0: To dissipate a little bit. And, you know, as you're wandering through the office, even that one or two days a week, you're probably saying hi to folks who aren't part of your, you know, your core circle. Um, Right. Just those highs, just that seeing someone else is a reminder that, oh, yeah, you know, there's an accounting department or manufacturing, whatever it might be. And that makes all the difference in the world in terms of remaining connected to the bigger picture. You know, remembering what part we play and the part that others play and, and, you know, greasing the wheels for everything that needs to happen within an organization.
1: Well, you're obviously, um, you know, advising people either via consulting or via your your work and your talks. What are you telling people to do to try to get some of that back? What are Because I know that you shared some ideas and there were some ideas in the article. What do you think is the kind of the secret sauce here?
0: Well, I think the first is to recognize that we have lost something, uh, because until we until we label that, until we recognize that, it's hard to find the energy given everything else that we have to invest in to invest in those relationships. But then at that point, I mean, there are just so many things that, in, in particular, leaders can do to inspire greater connectivity outside of that. Um, you know, silo or, or or work group things like just inviting someone from another department into your meetings, virtual or live, just putting that face on the screen or in the room as a reminder. Hearing what's going on in another part of the organization, hearing the challenges that that folks are uh, up against, it makes a huge difference in terms of personalizing it. You know, putting a, a, a face with the name and the function and the issues and Creating those, those reminders. Things like liaison and, uh, and cross-functional buddies. It sounds so silly. But a small thing like assigning yourself to someone else in another function, just to touch base occasionally, if everyone on a team had one of those cross functional buddies, that buddy becomes part of the core, you know, one of their small number that they can manage relationships, but we get the the benefit of bringing that wisdom and those connections and insights into the team.
1: Karen, tell Julie where you're going next weekend and for the purposes of what?
2: So we, uh, my partners and I started a company during, um, during the pandemic. Well, right before. And, and so we have not all been in a room together. We've been running a company, starting, uh, starting a company remotely. Um, in in fact, I have a a partner in Ireland Mm -hmm. and, it's been really challenging it's first of all, it's been a huge change for me uh, mm-hmm. going from corporate america to to uh, startup, but then to be do everything remote and um so next week and will be the first time and and since the beginning of the company that we'll all be together
0: oh um uh, and
2: yes, I can only imagine um we haven't all met each other either, so mm-hmm. it it'll be. Yeah, physically in person. So it's going to be an interesting weekend. I think it'll do. Yes, it'll do a lot for our bond, and then hopefully strengthen our ability to to be more productive remotely um, with each other. Just something about knowing them, knowing somebody, meeting them in person, and spending time with them in person. That's just invaluable.
0: Oh, agree. It can be
2: done, like we're doing, right? Right. Gosh, it's not.
0: Take tissue, because I predict there are going to be tears. I, no, seriously, <laughs> I just came off a conference. And the joy of being with people. There are folks that I've mm-hmm. been working with for the last two years, and it was hard to even really internalize that we hadn't met. I felt... Like mm-hmm. uh, this one guy, I mean he's like brother to me. And it was the first time we met. Uh, the joy is just palpable when we when we get to to be physically together. So oh, I'm so happy for you. I can't wait to hear how it goes.
2: So am I I'm excited. It's um a... I don't get to go. <laughs> By the way, so I don't good.
0: get to go. <laughs> Maybe she goes to Ireland to to do some work and oh. tag along.
1: I am definitely tagging along that one. That's our, our favorite. That's our favorite place. Um, so, you know, it's funny because we do at my company, we do these uh, pulse surveys once every six months. I guess that's not really a pulse survey, but it's a ENPS one question survey. And then they can add comments if they want. And this last one, we just completed it. Got the results back last week. It's the first time that the comments actually didn't say. Please don't make us come back to the office. This time we saw comments that were, please schedule some things where we can be together. Please do some team building. Please, and you're like, yes, good. I mean, because you know the genie's out of the bottle. We're never going to drag everybody back full time to the office. I don't think there's any. There's just no sense even pretending. But there's some. You know, Karen, you mentioned it too, and Julie. I mean, that's why we put that article um, was so was so interesting is yeah we lost a lot and maybe some of the fears gone people are thinking more rationally and they're remembering you know that was a, that was a lot of fun to collaborate and walk down the hall and poke your head in somebody's office and uh see somebody in the coffee room and just have 10 seconds to chat with them about the football game last night or something and you're on your way and it, i had this experience once a week at the office too where i'll meet somebody and go ah that's who you are. <laughs> because people, that's the other thing about Zoom. People were using black boxes a lot. Not everybody was turning Ooh. on their camera. That was maddening. So you had all these meetings where you're talking to a black screen or somebody's photo, and it's just, nah. Not yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm always stunned at how tall everyone is. <laughs> <laughs> just seeing three inches of them. It's so fun to see their full height.
1: Oh, uh, we had that experience this week. We had a board meeting, and one of uh, one of my colleagues is a good six six. If he's an edge. I mean, he's just a lanky, lanky dude. And everybody just assumed he was a you know a normal five ten, five eleven guy. Right. He comes in the room like, holy crap, Matt, what you... <laughs> <laughs> this is you. You know, so all of a sudden he's walking around, and he's, he's feeling pretty good about himself. <laughs> um, so that was the article. So, uh, go ahead, hon. More no, I was going to
2: say. So I mean, because I read the article as well. It, this is. T- Every one of the recommendations here takes—it's um, it, intentional. I mean, you—you uh, you have to, in order to bring that um, connection back. I mean, it is—I can see why it's—it's it's important for leaders to, um, you know, intentionally create these scenarios because they're not going to happen um, w- without without that.
0: Yeah, yeah, with, the, with which the can law. seem
2: a little bit forced in some ways, uh, you know. But you have to, we have to start somewhere, and um, hopefully, when you implement some of these practices, then it just become, it doesn't become quite as forced. It becomes more, more natural. But we have to start somewhere.
0: Yeah the the loss of serendipity, you know, and just that mm-hmm. ad hoc sort of yeah. uh, connection. Does and I I love your use of the word intention intentionality Um, and and I I I don't think I'm overreaching when I say I think that again these last couple of years have heightened the importance of intentionality I think we've we recognize Mm -hmm. um, how much we need to uh, be deliberate about if we're going to make things happen and yet I don't know that intention needs to feel contrived um Mm -hmm. in in fact there's something about almost the intention of making it happen that makes it more special not less the fact that i've placed Mm -hmm. so much importance on this that i'm gonna make this i've created this artificial way to ensure that you're here man i mean that what a statement of value that sounds that's true that's true
1: yeah. Yeah. It is, and, but you know what else? All, all, all the things that are on here are free. <laughs> all the ideas are free. It doesn't cost a lot of money to do some of these things. Um, and you, I, again, you put one comment in there. That I thought that was uh, pretty telling. Is the most powerful thing you can do is you're modeling. I mean, you you are modeling the behavior you want to encourage and you want others to do. So if you are intentionally doing this and you know rinse repeat, it'll it'll look less contrived. It'll look less planned and it'll soon become part of what you how you uh how you model leadership yeah so that's pretty yeah. cool
2: let's get into our book because I love this promotions are so yesterday
0: tape of that please <laughs> that was great right <laughs> I love it. it the Valley Girl right <laughs> now it. that's ah. right that's right
1: yeah, the promotions are so yesterday. I, I mean, I think that is, I mean, a great title, first of all, because it's just so funny uh, and and Val. But I think that it's very true, um, especially now, I think with, well, maybe not especially now, but you you, know, you have this dynamic with the generation that's starting to dominate the workforce and it will continue to become more and more part of it. Work-life balance is a big thing. I mean, bigger than ever. And I think you know, COVID obviously stressed that even more for people who, who weren't already like that. So there's got to be ways for me to still feel fulfilled in my career without 15 hour days it takes to get a promotion that I want uh, or this new title. And, or it's going to take more than that to keep me happy. If you're throwing me a title, just so I'll shut up because I'm working too much and go, I'll tell you what here, now you're extra vice president or something. No, I mean, people want, they want fulfillment and you put in some great, some great alternative, uh, what do you call them, the seven alternative dimensions mm-hmm. of what you can do, sides, promotions. Um, have, have you had people already put these into practice that you're, are you getting feedback on some of these dimensions
0: yet? Yeah, we are. Um, it's been, the book just came out two months ago, but I began working with the model probably, I don't know, nine or so months before that. And, um, it's a, I, I'm, I'm, delighted with the reception that we've received so far because none of it's rocket science you know i wish i could say that i was so smart and this was groundbreaking the truth is these dimensions have been rolling around in our heads and what this multi-dimensional career framework does is it puts it out there and creates a a structure and a language that we can all use to be talking about career development in broader terms than just that next position or title or promotion or move or role. And so um, it really validates. It was based upon 10 years of of field research, talking with people about what careers meant to them. So Hmm. I knew that that was going to resonate. What was What I wasn't sure about, we've got these seven alternate dimensions to that classic climb up the corporate ladder, that, that definition of career development. What I wasn't sure of was as, as valid as these other dimensions were, how valuable were they? People really, if you really ask people, rank them, like, wouldn't climb, still be up at the top. And so we did this global study with uh, about 750 folks worldwide and just literally asked them to do that, rank these dimensions based upon some statements. And what was stunning about it and the real validation to your point or to your question is that in aggregate across ages, levels, genders, what we found was there was more interest in all of those other seven dimensions Than the climb up the corporate ladder. That when we put these other dimensions, yeah, on the table, when it's on the menu, people will order those up. We've only been offering promotions as that definition traditionally. And so, no wonder that's what everybody was signing up for. So, it's been really heartening. Every group I go to, I do some form of the self assessment do a poll, have people share their top interests. And every time before I share the poll results, I have this knot in the pit of my stomach thinking, okay, this is the time when everything's going to go south. And every <laughs> time I am stunned. Climb is at the bottom. All of these other dimensions are really speaking to people, really alive for people today.
2: Do you think it was always like that? Or do you think that things have changed here? Uh, or the, What's happened in the last couple of years kind of
0: It's such a good question, Karen. And I wish I had a time machine so I could go back and do like a pre and a a now sort of thing. Um, I think it's evolved. And maybe we're all feeling some of this a little bit more acutely because of the experience of the last couple of years. But my intuition tells me it was there. Um, And now it's, it's there in a bigger way. And it's there in a way that's more... I don't know, socially acceptable. I mean, we're talking about wellness. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is such a big topic right now and mental health. And so no wonder now it's safe to say contentment is a dimension that's important to me. I need to cultivate more ease and joy and fulfillment and balance in my life. Um, Same with purpose. I mean, we've seen so many people trade the prestige and the pay and the perks for more purpose. And so it's okay to now say, I really want to contribute. I want to figure out how to give more, be more, offer more. Can you hear my dog snoring in the background? I can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so that's sorry, funny. I've totally no. That's great. Her. At least it's the dog and not you guys. Oh, no, that's right. <laughs>
2: what kind of dog is it? Oh, she's, what kind of dog do you have?
0: She's a, a rescue. Yeah, my,
2: yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, a yeah. sweet no, and obviously
0: cute. sleepy little gal.
1: All right, everybody, take a little break here for a reminder that you can participate too by pounding the like button, leaving a review, giving a five-star, sharing it with somebody, or generally posting it on your social media. Do something nice. Word of mouth is probably the best way to do this. We have a lot of fun on the show. We've got some good topics that are going to be coming up this year as we try to get more topical um, and more relevant about what's going on in the world. So if you get a chance, like Hardball, share it with friends, and once again, if you don't like somebody and you hate this podcast, this would be a good thing to send them as well. So it works on either side, either poll. If you're on either extreme, we want you to share it. So hopefully you like it, but if you hate it, that's okay. Find somebody you hate and share it with them. Let's get back to Julie Winkle, your own HR Hardwall.
2: Yeah, ours is over here too.
1: Yeah, she's asleep over there, but she's uh- she's... Oh, she's not asleep. She's, she's on the she's, work couch. Yeah, she's clocking <laughs> squirrels. That's what she's doing.
0: Oh, I love uh, it.
1: Um, you know what, so, Car- Karen will remember this. But a couple of years, a couple of years prior to all this craziness, you know, I was doing some talks at, at some of the HR conferences, and there was this one uh, presentation I had called "We're All Millennials Now" is because you you mentioned this being more socially acceptable, and because millennials kind of showed us the way of saying that's not the most important thing mm-hmm. to me anymore. You know, I'm going to be with my family. I want to have fulfillment. I want to have purpose. They made it okay to say that. So, you know, millennials get bagged on all the time. So I'm going to throw them a, a nice little kudo there, but it's true. Um, you can say that now you can say, I'm not interested in, in traveling on the weekends. If that's what it takes to get ahead. I'm not interested to do that. If that hampers my career, but it makes I have more time for my family. I'm good with that. Um, and now, uh, you know, even more so, I think you mentioned mental health. Mental health has never, i don't in my career anyway, has never been such a focus. It used to get wellness and mental health. In my opinion, got a lot of lip service. You would get wellness programs and it would be, well, you're going to have a discount at the gym. That, that was your wellness program. Uh, now there is a concerted effort. I think today is mental health day, by the way, I think. I want to say it is because somebody told me that. Um, you know, somebody told me that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know, but I think it is. Um, but it is, it's become such a, I mean, a valid and prioritized thing for people, for companies too. They're actually looking at, we got to do this because people are not, they did, I mean, two years of this, it's just not right for the human psyche. It's just not.
0: No, no. people are not okay in many cases and, and God bless organizations that are stepping up. And, and recognizing they've got a responsibility and all that. And I so agree with you. Um, the, the newer entrants to the workplace have given us permission to say what was in our hearts and souls. And so bless their hearts for giving us that space and, and letting all of us now elevate the quality of our lives and, and enhance the, the employee experience.
1: And I'm wondering, like our kids, we've got a 21 year old and a 17 year old. What is the you know work life going to look like for them yeah. when they're out? I mean, it's going to be gig economy and working from home. Well, so and-
2: first of all, our 21 our year old is looking for f- f- fulfillment in his job, and I'm I'm sitting there reflecting on on when I was 21, and I was like. I just needed a job to survive, <laughs> so I didn't live on the streets. And um, I, fulfillment wasn't the first thing that I was thinking about when I was twenty-one. I think yeah. it's very interesting this this younger generation coming up. And honestly, my heart feels bad for him because I'm forcing him to get a job that's not fulfilling. <laughs> but am I a bad mom if I don't? If I just let him, you know, not work? I mean. It's
0: hard. It's a no win because I want them to be. Yeah.
2: No.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Well, you know what? Unemployment is not a fulfilling thing either. So remember (laughs) that. That's true.
0: But it's interesting how deep our kids are, right? I mean, this next Mm generation, there is so much going on, and thankfully, you know, they've got we're we're leaving plenty of problems for them to solve, and I feel like we're in, (laughs) in good hands
1: yeah, i I'm, I'm you know what? I gotta they we won't go down this rabbit hole too much with the kids today, but boy, they just took it on the chops with this, um, probably more so than anybody. Mm-hmm. And the kids that came out of it who are starting to come around again, the the mental toughness and things that they built, they're not gonna I mean take anything for granted. i don't I don't think. I mean, this has been something that just the way school changed, the way their family life changed, the way their parents, careers changed everything it was a it was a lot to absorb
2: it's going to be really interesting to see because our generation or at least my mindset was always climb right Mm -hmm. get in the corporate and 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 climb and i it's so it it, it's something that was taught to me by my dad it was i my i my parents modeled it right i wonder what it's like to not have any of that um I guess influence, yeah, because my it's still there. Even though you know I'm reading these, of course, contribution, competence, challenge, confidence. You know, all I would take all of those over, over a, a, a title. It asked me that three years ago, and I would have said something probably a little bit different. Those would have been important, but I was also working for that title, mm-hmm. right? But it's just if for this generation to start without any of those. Uh, preconceived ideas and not having those in your head, just imagine how much, um, um, I guess, how much more I would go after, um, or uh, I guess, seek or drive towards those, those more fulfilling things than just a, a title, right? There's so much more than, than just that.
0: Yeah. Um, well, like your, like your son, like your, I'm assuming a son. I don't know why I went yes, there. Like your son, um, you know, he he isn't feeling as bound by some of that tradition right. that is leaning into that contribution, that purpose, that, that bigger picture. And yet, to be honest, Karen, I think it's going to be a couple of generations before anybody is really free of that. I think mm-hmm. that, model is so deeply ingrained, um, in, in our, I mean, Mm -hmm. just the way we talk to kids about what do you want to be when you grow up? I mean, we've, we've associated what work is with what you're called, and it's going to take a long time to, to break those bonds and unravel it. But at some point, yeah, wouldn't it imagine a world where we're, we're free from that extrinsic motivation, to go somewhere and get to really be who we are and grow in ways that are meaningful for us. It'd be awesome. It would, right?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to reset real quick too. If anybody's going to join midway through this, but we are talking to Julie Winkle Giuliani, uh, author of Help Them Grow or Watch Them Go, author of Promotions Are So Yesterday and all around evangelical person when it comes to development of employees i mean you are you are committed that is that is your game why is that when did that become so critical and such a part of who you are the development of employees
0: you know it was when i was about 30 and i hit my first just okay boss not even bad boss just okay boss The first part of my career was I was just, I lived under the stars and had one boss after another who was just a natural developer of people. And I took it for granted. I had no idea the, the truly the magic that was happening around me. I just knew I loved work and there was nothing more joyful than showing up and doing what I was getting paid for. And I didn't understand what my friends were talking about when they complained about it because. It was everything I imagined going to work um, for these year You were
1: bosses. living right. You were living right, and you didn't even realize it.
0: <laughs> I had no idea. And then I had the experience of contrast. Not even a bad boss, just an okay boss. And it was mm-hmm. literally, it was debilitating for me. I It sucked my soul out of me. I mm. lost my enthusiasm for my work. And when I couldn't grow the way I had 15 years of experience growing um I realized that I needed to to change paths quickly get out of that situation but what I really wanted to do was crack the code on what all of those incredible bosses did for me and help others to replicate that so that was my shift to into leadership development which ultimately came into the the career development arena
1: well you let me tell you if you get if you made it to 30 without a bad boss you were <laughs>
0: I know, tell me about it. The stars were so aligned. And like I said, it was so dopey. I had no idea because that had just been all I had known. And so gratefully, I had this other experience. And um, I I actually dedicated the new book to all of those bosses who toiled away with no recognition um, in service of my development.
1: I bet they remember you, though. I bet that that's a I know that's a satisfying thing, too, to see somebody that you were a mentor for go on to do great things. I mean, you always take a little pride in that. So that's awesome too.
2: So has there been an uptick in companies looking for outside resources to help them navigate this um, in, in the current environment? Is Have you seen an uptick in that?
0: I personally have. I don't know if that's related to the work that I do or, you know, if it's a, a general trend, but given the great resignation organizations, as you well know, are just scrambling to try to, you know, um, stop the hemorrhaging and to really look at what they need to do, not just to put a tourniquet on it, but to really assess what's going on in our culture, what kinds of systems and processes and behaviors can we put in place that'll create um, a long-term positive, really constructive environment. And so that seems to be the focus of many of the organizations, at least that are reaching out to me.
1: It's crazy. We were uh, we had a discussion today about, you know, you mentioned the great resignation, great reshuffling, the great reluctance, whatever we want to call it. But um, in one of our one specific position that we hire for is challenging, and it's in healthcare. It's a nursing role. Two years ago, prior to uh, the pandemic, this came from our you know, staffing VP So there were forty five hundred openings and that were posted in the markets that we service. Same, two years later there are 8500 openings in those same markets um and they are I mean peep, candidates are sitting back and you know' you're, you're saying what's in it for you know companies have to see this they have to really recognize this employees are going to, or candidates are going to look where they can find a job that's fulfilling hits those marks sort of for some of the the alternate dimensions too they want to know up front if there's opportunities for them um, and I think that you can really, this is a time to differentiate yourself as an employer, right? Because the talent's there, great talent is there and they're being picky. And if you can figure out your message, you can, you know, you have a competitive advantage right now. the time to do it.
0: Yeah, you are so right. Um, Given the the employment marketplace, it's clearly a candidate's uh, world out there. And it's interesting, I've had several clients recently who've come to me and started talking about how do we incorporate this, not just into onboarding, you know, introduce people right from the get-go to an expanded way of thinking about your career. I've got a couple of clients who are incorporating it into their um, selection interviewing process. And starting the conversation hmm. right there about how we think about development in our organization for exactly what you were just saying, to differentiate themselves from that next interview that they'll be at in a couple of hours.
1: And it's funny because you'll you will read, um, you know, I still, I can't help it. I still scroll Twitter occasionally and I'll see some of the other uh, HR professionals who are in talent acquisition. And this, there was a discussion thread going on yesterday about, some things that employers are still trying to do when they're interviewing people. They're asking for all these, you know, I need you to do a 30 minute presentation. I need you to do a write up for me. And I need you to come up with three ideas that you would implement here. Like they're asking for like free work is what they're asking for. And, you know, you think that's going to put you uh, up in the, the selection model. That is just craziness. You have to make it, we used to say you want to make it painless. You want to make it easy to work here. You want to make it easy. But now you have to make it not just easy. You have to give people a reason why they want to stay there. And like you said, saying it up front, and I think that's brilliant. This is how we, how do you phrase it? This is how we view development.
0: Development in our organization. Yeah, that's great.
1: Yeah. That's great. And we keep mentioning these seven alternate. I just want to read them real quick for the benefit of the audience, because there's seven alternate dimensions. They all begin with the letter C straight enough. <laughs> but they are contribution, competence, confidence, connection, challenge, contentment, and choice. And my thought is you want to figure out which of these kind of fits with each individual's preferences or or how do you go about trying to find out which of these is the appropriate one?
0: Oh, great question. Yeah, because so frequently what happens is managers um, with all the best intentions and, and probably trying to save time and effort on everyone's part, do try to divine what others are thinking, what they want, what's going to be best for them. And, you know, we're all so unique. And at any given time, one or a couple of these dimensions might be more or less interesting to others. Mm-hmm. So we actually created a self assessment that individuals can take. So there takes the guesswork out of it. There's one in the book, but we also have one online that's a little bit more sophisticated It's uh, and, and it generates an emailed report to the employee. But um, it helps people understand at this point in time, what's most and not so you know, and least interesting to me. And then if an employee goes through that self-assessment process, First of all, it's an education because they start to recognize, ah, there is more there. You know, I just, I didn't have Mm -hmm. the language for it. I didn't have that structure for it. Um, so it starts to sell them on, okay, climb is there, but there's all the rest of this. Um, but then it also gives them the basis for having a much different conversation with their boss. When they can come and say, you know, I did the self-assessment, here's the the bar chart and contribution is where I'm really living and my backups might be, you know, connection and confidence. That manager can start the coaching conversation so much further along you know what would have taken months of discovery you've got and you can start right from that point moving forward to all right let's look around and see what can we co-create here within the envelope of your current role that's going to allow you to have that experience and to grow in the process
2: I did it. I did the assessment. Well, I read through the <laughs> questions and I think it's re- it was really a great exercise because I can put my, I can answer the way I would have answered three years ago. And then I can answer where I am today and, and <laughs> clearly see the difference
0: <laughs> and in so the
2: different setting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Different oh, setting, different I, time of life. You know, when it comes mm-hmm. to development, one size doesn't fit all, but one size doesn't even fit one for our whole careers. We're going to change and and have different needs. And the other thing about the dimensions is, I mean, there's the interest piece of it on the part of the employee, but we also have to look at what's available in the organization. Sometimes there Mm -hmm. might not be a lot of available, I don't know, challenge. And so then you've got to look at, well, what's number two? How can I meet those needs as well? So it's Mm -hmm. that balancing the availability with the appetite to figure out how we can help people you know, really optimize their experience and the growth within that experience.
1: Yeah, mine came out, um, contribution, That that was mine. That's what I value. You want to do something that means something. And, uh, Karen, I know yours is going to be connection or something like that. Yes. But- <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading through it right now and I'm like, yeah, you got it. And for certainly, climb where it would have been higher several years ago is definitely not even on my radar right now. So, yeah.
0: you know the yeah. thing that that surprises me every time I do this with groups is that contribution is so high up there. We just have such a human need to be a service and Mm -hmm. to make things better, to leave things better, to um, live on purpose. It's it's really fascinating to me. And yet the the thing about this framework is while you could look at it as a bit of an engagement framework um, model, it, it really is about development. And so when you think about contribution it's not just about let's get something from the employee let's have them step up and do more and step into voids and take things on how can we make it a two way street how can we make sure that as they're giving they're also getting in terms of skills and a network and experiences you know that they can put in their uh, portfolio So, Karen, it's kind of going back to your word, intentionality. How can we be intentional about the contribution so that it's really, there's reciprocal value there?
1: You know where we were this weekend, guys? We were playing in a pickleball tournament. We are pickleball nuts now. And we played in our first tournament. Um, It was quite the experience. Let me tell you one thing we see. A lot of people are trying to uh, pair up and... Dress up to make it clear that they are teammates with uh, different shirts and whatnot. Most of it's crap. Got to tell you, most of it is crap. If you want to see stuff that's not crap, wait for the launch July 4th, Dink.pro, D I N K.pro. A uh, line of really nice pickleball wear, men and women. Uh, shirts and hoodies and vests and hats and I don't know, those little bracelets and fobs and tchotchkes, all kinds of good stuff. Anyway, Dink is our flagship sponsor. Uh, Dink.pro is the website. They are having a huge relaunch July 4th of this year. Be ready for it. Let's get back to Julie Winkle in the meantime.
2: I, I managed a team of um, 10, up to 10 at one point. Um, people across the US that, that, um, for a company that I was working with uh, for. And I we didn't have a lot of tools, uh, leadership training, nor tools. And so I go to my um, go-to guy, John Whitaker, (laughs) and say, I need to do something with my team. Like I need, I want to develop them. I need, and so I can't remember what you gave me, but it was, it was a really complex kind of, my my bottom line is they hated it and still talk about it today.
0: (laughs) So about, I know it was
2: terrible. What was that thing where, um, remember I had a uh, personalized, development plan PDP is that what it was I gave you that I think so and it was this complex spreadsheet and then they had to go yeah, f- do like their it. part and anyway you asked Mindy and Chicky they both hated it with a passion and well, then I'm it was hard it for me both of them, it then. was hard for me as a manager to follow up on it because I had never been trained in the practice either mm-hmm. so I was trying to do something that was out of my comfort zone it was definitely out of their comfort zone and I think something like this would have been would have gotten a way um to a better point much quicker Mm -hmm. I, i can i can tell that
1: um now an exercise i used to do is i used to have a pie chart with three sections and it was okay one section and you wanted to think of what was your best boss ever all right and what were the qualities and so you would put things that were part of their technical knowledge in one segment that were part of their education or industry knowledge in one segment and then the other stuff the soft skills and it would always be everything crammed into the soft skills. Yeah. You know, they don't care that you went to Harvard. They don't care that you, you know, you were on the cover of Inc magazine. They care that you were compassionate and you listened and you helped develop them and you gave them purpose and blah, blah, blah. They gave them feedback. So, th- I mean, it does, it does go both ways. And sometimes the things that we as managers think are most important, like we need a formal mentorship program. We need a formal L and D program. Nah, you don't, you know what you need to do? Go down and talk to your employees occasionally. If you talk to them, open the conversation, and and then if you can get a few cool tools like you have, because Karen, you're right, uh, and thinking about how you served it up, Julie, is have your people do this, then they are coming to you because they have discovered something about themselves, and then you can collaborate and do it together. That's a a lot more important than saying, okay, we need to set up this formal program where you're going to go to class this week and next week. Hey, that's just, when you start, that just gives me tired head thinking about having to put something like that together. But I can have a little one-on-one with my employees and we can, you know, we can have a, an icebreaker or do some sort of game or something like that. And now what we're going to do is Julie's assessment. (laughs) That's what we're going to do.
0: (laughs) Well, I love that tired head. I've not heard that, but I'm going to be using that, John. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's a go-to for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It totally says it all. I totally understand what tired head is. Um, What i really like about what you've just said, it really underscores what I've come to understand, which is that development is a relationship. You know, it really boils down to a relationship mm. between the individual and the boss and others in the organization. And that relationship plays out through conversation. And I don't want to diminish the importance of an IDP and the systems and the data that needs to go well, into IDP, the organization sure. for for workplace planning purposes and that kind of thing. But that nobody, when they reflect back on what that boss did that helped me grow, says, you know, he just filled out that form like nobody's business. He, you know, <laughs> he nailed the process. It, it none, it's none of that. It's all the relational stuff.
2: And I think that's so lost sometimes with older school management. Um, at least that was my experience. It, they, they, the very basic thing, which is having a relationship, showing that you care uh, about the people that you know report to you um taking a couple minutes on every phone call to just ask how they're doing how their family is and and making it personal not just all about business um i i unfortunately had a lot of uh i learned a lot of what not to do and <laughs> you, you had a run
1: boy you had a run of bosses <laughs> i did
2: There's i did a but i make.
1: learned
0: a lot about what yes
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. there is, Mm -hmm. you know, like you had a a great run until you were 30 of having great bosses. You probably did. And you took it for granted because you didn't have a bad boss before that. So if you get a bad one, then you end up getting a good one. It's like, hallelujah. I I mean, you recognize it immediately.
2: You know (laughs) what I would hope, I think. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. You were saying what, Julie? I was just going to say, you know what,
0: Karen, you knew what it felt like to be on the receiving end of that. And having that visceral Mm -hmm. experience changes everything Mm -hmm. when you're in the boss mode. I mean, you just, you know, in your bones, you know you don't want to do certain things.
1: It's true. Yeah, that's true. You know, one thing that I, I, I did take a note, this uh, references back to help them grow, watch them go that I thought was interesting too. Um, There was a comment and it was either one of the articles cited, but tenured employees specifically are being ignored. It's a tenured employees are being ignored. And that I think rings true too, because you get the new employee, you got to mm-hmm. develop them. You got to make sure they're engaged, you got on board them, blah, blah, blah. Then they get in and you're like, okay, good. Now I don't have to worry about them. And you have all these tenured employees and you're just assuming they don't need any more development. Um, and I think again, with the, this is, an, I think it's another great use of the, of the tool is you can, you'll find out in a hurry if somebody still has aspirations to do something. And you probably have a lot of capabilities in your own office that you don't even, you're not even aware of Yeah, people so, wanting to do things.
0: Yeah, that is uh, so true. It's really easy to put it on autopilot for, especially mid year, you know, mid career professionals. Um and yet you're right they take the self assessment and they're going to have certain dimensions that speak out to them and it may not be you know the climb and it may not be competence for instance they may feel like yeah i kind of got the skill set down i don't need to to grow in that to, in that particular way but you know Connection conf- confidence is one of the the most underrated I think of the the dimensions. It's not one that we normally think about, but man, when you've got a dip in it, it's a career you know breaker really. And we all have. I mean, during the course of our career, and it's not uncommon for it to happen more in the middle or in you know as as you're getting. Mm-hmm your career it's not necessarily a, a newbie sort of phenomenon and so there are times when the what growth looks like is doubling down on what do i have to do to really trust my ability to show up and and predictably deliver what's expected of me you know how can i make sure i've got the I, i've got this experience at work and uh, and that's you know that could be mid-career could be late career
1: you're right. It's powerful too. When you see somebody in a room that d- you know they have confidence in what they're talking about, that's powerful. And then you can also tell when somebody's really not there; they're hesitant, and it it impacts them. If you can, you know, build that up, you you create a pretty powerful employee. And it, you know, ultimately, we I, I gave an example about the recruiting challenge with eighty five hundred openings or whatever. That just you know you have to double down on retention. Any way you can retain your current people, it's like retaining current customers. You know, the, the effort to go get new customers versus keeping your loyal customers is, is way out of whack. Well, keep your employees. That's the best part of your talent acquisition is make sure you keep your good ones. And I know this is a, a huge retention tool. Would you agree, Julie, in that part of what you're saying?
0: Oh, gosh, there is an inextricable link between retention and development for sure. So organizations Mm -hmm. that are investing intelligently um, in the development process have a much better chance of of not just having people come in the front door only to go out the back door.
1: Right, right. Wait, I had a saying that I thought was pretty cool. (laughs) Of course, course it it is like well, they were asking about, well, we got all these openings. We got all these openings. I said, well, it's because we had the air conditioning on, but all the windows are open. No, you you can't cool this room down. (laughs) I love it. So, you know, let's close the windows and keep these people and then it'll get a lot better around here. So, yeah, yeah, Yeah. things like this go a long way.
0: And that helps when you close the windows and you figure out how to keep people. Mm -hmm. It makes it a lot easier to recruit new people in. That reputation, I mean, there's such access to information is it's the transparency is there. People know what your brand is. And so closing the windows enhances the brand.
1: Right. So they're either going to tell their friends and tell their family, or you're going to see it on Glassdoor or something like that, uh, or LinkedIn. People, when they're happy someplace, they let people know.
0: Mm -hmm. And when they're unhappy. So, Julie, let me ask you.
1: Yeah, that you know what? The, more of them let them know when they're unhappy. <laughs> don't they? That's true. Uh, if if people want to find out more about you, and if they want to find out more about the book or any of the programs that you're running, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
0: All things related to promote. Karen, you have to say it though. I'm I, I'm gonna leave a blank and you say it. all things related to the title of the book. Promotions are promotions
2: are so yesterday.
0: Thank you <laughs> for sharing. <sure. For> sure. <laughs> Thank you, Karen. That's um, can be found at <laughs> juliewinklejulioni. My website, and that's there's yeah, a we'll have
1: a little, all the notes.
0: Yeah, and there's a yellow button on the homepage um, to take the self assessment and get the uh, personal. Oh, there is. Report. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: I'm going to pass this along to uh, my uh, my friend who's in, who's a new in a new into a leadership role. She was um, she reported directly to me. And, um, and I think this is something that will be really helpful for her. Cause I know the organization, I know the limited tools that she has. And I think that this will, um, this will really help her as she settles into that leadership position and help the people that, um, are fortunate enough to report to her. Oh,
0: thank you, Karen. But have I have Jack you do it. And let me know.
2: I will. I will. Well,
1: we are going to wrap it up with that, but I want to make sure that we've given you a chance to uh, promote the book. And you said it just came out, right? A couple of weeks ago. Two months ago. I I already read some of the reviews and you're already getting some good reviews. It's already getting good buzz. You can get it on Amazon. Um, Any other places that right now that you can get it?
0: Yeah, it was published by ATD Press. So you can buy it competitively at uh, ATD.org as well.
1: Fantastic. Well, Julie, you're one of uh, only a handful of repeat guests. You're just such a joy to talk to. You have such a great attitude, and thanks so much for being on the show.
0: Oh my goodness! It is such an honor to be back with you two. And Karen, you're such a wonderful addition to the show. Thank you both for ah, your graciousness. Thank
2: you. Thanks for being on, and um, and I'm I'm and, and for the kind words. I'll hopefully live up to that. <laughs> And have a
1: great day, great rest of the week, and a great Memorial Day next weekend.
0: Thank you. You too.
1: All right. Bye-bye, Julie.